0: If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd love for you to join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going through this wonderful uh, letter to the church at Corinth together. And we have found ourselves here in chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off last week in verse number 14. In verse number 14, Paul is going to be talking about three categories of man. And he's going to get us to the place where we're going to ponder are we committed to one of these three men or one of these three individual personalities if you would or lifestyles you see the world does a good job of categorizing people you think about it we categorize people uh, if you will economically we say people are rich or people are poor we uh, classify people socially Uh, we say when we speak about uh, people socially we say they're either uh, cultured. Or uncultured. Uh, we talk about people academically and we categorize them academically in our world today. We say individuals are either educated, uh, they're intellectuals, or they're illiterate. People are always trying to put you in some kind of category. Did you know that the Bible categorizes people? As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, we find this, that you're either saved or lost. That is to say that if there's only two places you go when you die, you'll either go to heaven or you'll go to to hell, then that means you're either saved, you go to heaven, or you're lost and you go to hell. Uh, Paul also categorized people as being Jews and Gentiles. Uh, He just simply said Jews were God's chosen people. They rejected the Messiah. So uh, God, in His great love for us, went to the Gentiles. Gentiles is everybody else. It's not a Jew. Everybody in the world. But then Paul takes it a step further, though, in this passage of Scripture, he adds a third category, a category that we don't see much in Scripture, but we find it here in this text. and we also find it in Second Peter. We find it uh, in a couple of places. It's not talked about a lot, but there is a third category that Paul puts people in. And that's the topic this morning that we want to look at. So if you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Let's see if we can identify these three categories that Paul puts the church at Corinth in, and which, by the way, we will find ourselves in one of these three categories today as well. Look at what the Scripture says. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged by no man, or judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, because you uh, now are not able to bear it either." For you are carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal? Are you not carnal, he says, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? You may be seated for prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, the best I know how, I yield myself to you once again. I pray that you would uh, touch and anoint my voice. I ask you, Lord Jesus, that if I need to do more teaching than preaching today, that uh, you would be the leader and you would be the one that uh, prompts my spirit and prompts my heart. God, I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, more than anything, uh, that if someone here is lost and they don't know you, that today would be the day they get saved. God, the last thing on earth we need is another sermon. So, Father, I pray we'd take your word and we would see it as the word that comes from God. And, Lord, when we look at your word, the very words of God, I pray that it would change us from the inside. Strengthen your people today. Thank you for this wonderful church. In the name of Jesus, I pray a special blessing on it. We love you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I was in the outlets just a few days ago and I walked into one of the stores and I do my normal thing when I walk into one of those outlet stores I go straight to the clearance aisle I mean just wanna go straight where the the clearance is and let's see what's on that clearance rack. I walked into uh, this store in particular and I didn't get two steps in when uh, the uh, salesperson came and said uh, hey you you look familiar who, who are you well as soon as I speak they recognize me as soon as they hear my voice. As I know that voice. You're, you're Pastor Shane. You're that preacher over uh, at Maisel. And that's kind of how I'm identified. And that's okay with me. I'm good with that. I'm good with being a preacher at Maisel. I love being your pastor and love preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we all are categorized in one way or another. Paul here in this text even categorizes people. He says there's the natural person, there's the spiritual person, and there's the carnal person. And this passage breaks all of humanity down into their spiritual response into one of these three categories. The question is, what category are you in? And are you committed to being in that category? Now remember, the overall arching theme here in the book of Corinthians, or this letter to the church at Corinth, is commitment. They were committed to a bunch of things, but the one thing they weren't committed to was Jesus Christ. And he wanted them to be more committed to Christ. He didn't want them to be so committed to their gifts that they failed to remember the Holy Spirit of God as speaking truth into their lives. So while they were saved, they were falling behind in some of these things. And so Paul, in his encouragement to them, says, listen, church, I want to speak to you about three types of people, and and I'm wondering what category you put yourself in. So without any further ado, let's jump right in and let's see these three categories of people that Paul talks about. Number one, The first one he mentions is the natural man the natural man you see it there in the text it's found in verse number 14 but the natural man receiveth not the things or excuse me the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned now let me encourage you to mark in your Bibles There's nothing greater than when you get to the end of your life, and God calls you home, and you die, and you go be with Jesus as a born-again child of God, and you leave behind a book that you've written in, you've made markings in, you've made notes in, so that your children, and your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren, and if the Lord be it, your great-great-great-grandchildren can find it, and they can say, "'My grandparents loved Jesus.'" So let me encourage you to mark in your Bibles and leave that legacy behind for your family members. If I had my Bible, and I do, and I marked in my Bible, and I did, I would underline or highlight that term, natural man. That's the first category that Paul speaks about here in this text. He talks about the natural man or the natural person. The natural person, Jason, here in this passage of Scripture is very fascinating because the word natural here is a Greek word, suhikos. It speaks of psychosis. It's talking about, if you would, the psyche, or if we could say another word that is uh, uh, in comparison with this in the Greek, the soul of a person. It's speaking of a person who has not had a regeneration in their soul. They have not been born again, they have not had a birth, if you would. Inside, they're unregenerate, they're unsaved, they don't know Christ as Savior, there's never been a change. Simply put, the natural man is a lost man. The natural person is a lost person. He may be a church member... He may be a moral person. He may be a good person. You may see him in church every week. You may see him at the local uh, Kiwanis convention. You'll see him in Walmart or her in Walmart. They are just good, moral people, but they're natural people. They have never been born again. They have never been saved. And because they've never been saved, that is a category in which the Scripture says they're lost. If they die in their natural state, they will go to hell. Dear friends, there are people in the sound of my voice this morning that are natural in their state. They are natural because they've never been born again. Now this passage of Scripture shows two truths about the natural person. Let me show them to you this morning. Number one, the first thing he says is that this person does not appreciate the things of God. The natural person does not appreciate the things of God. Look at verse 14. Follow with me if you will. He says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Here it is. For they are foolishness unto him. There's the 1st subpoint of this text. The natural person does not appreciate the things of God because they are foolish to them. Now that word foolish there, I'd mark that in my Bible if I were you because that word foolish is a very fascinating Greek word. Uh, as a matter of fact, we get an English word from this Greek word and the Greek word is moronic. It's where we get our English word moron. Anybody know a moron or anything that's moronic? To the lost man, the things of God are spiritually Moronic. They don't make sense. That is, they don't understand it. They have a hard time appreciating the things of the Spirit and spiritual expressions. I might get excited because we might have a move of God and might see God do something great and move with a great spirit. And a natural man will look at that and go, Man, that man's crazy. That preacher's nuts. Look at him. He's getting all excited, all worked up in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost might jump me and I might just absolutely just preach with fervor and fire and and be moved to the Holy Spirit. And a natural man will scratch his head and say, man, that dude looks ridiculous. I'll never forget one day I was uh, listening to that old song, uh, um, We Will Remember. Man, that got so excited. Man, I just was sitting there on the stage. I was listening. I was getting ready to, to preach, and the Spirit of God just moved in my heart. And I just got to thinking about the day I got saved. And I, I just stood up and lifted my hands, and I just started praising God, saying, Thank you, Jesus, uh, for salvation. Man, that God just moved in such a, a mighty, powerful way. We had natural people in the service that go, Man, that preacher's crazy. He's crazy. No, I'm not crazy, I'm spiritual. I got the spirit of God dwelling inside of me but the but the natural man doesn't appreciate the things of God they're moronic to him several years ago I I took a, a group of students to to Mexico and and I had a young man he was a senior in high school and and God was really working in his heart he went a lot of people to Christ on this trip and we got back to the states and and he was talking with me he says I'm really struggling pastor with a call in my life I feel like the Lord wants me to be a missionary so we sat down we prayed through it and I talked to his mom and and uh, this young man said you know what I'd like to do I would like to take just a couple of weeks of my summer, after I graduate, and I want to go to Mexico and I want to live with the missionaries just for two or three weeks if I could, and I just want to be with them and I want to see what they do. I want to see if God's calling me into this area of missions." And I said, I think that's a great idea. Let me call the missionaries. I called the missionaries, and they said, that'd be fine with them. That sounds good. I sat down with the mother, and the mother said, yeah, that's wonderful. I think that's a great idea. Um, I, there's no doubt my son's got a call on his life. She said, there's only one problem. I said, what's that? She said, we got to talk to his daddy. Well, I knew his dad was a natural man. Lost, didn't know Jesus. So we sat down with him, and as we sat down with him and began to explain the situation, his son began to share with him, said, Dad, said I feel like God's got a call on my life. I, I, I really I feel like I need to, to go, and I, I just take a couple of weeks and be down there with those missionaries before I go to college and before I commit to, to college just to see what God wants from me, just to see what God has in store for me. Uh, he might want me to surrender for, for ministry, for missions. And the dad looked at his son, dad looked at me and said, if you think I'm going to send my son to Mexico for two weeks after he graduates, you're crazy. He can go to Cancun and party, but he can't go live with those missionaries. That's about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Now, why did he say something like that? Because he's a natural man. He's lost. Didn't know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord. And he wasn't adapt or appreciated the things, if you would, of the Spirit of God. He didn't appreciate the call that God had on his son's life. So he rejected that, and he pushed back on that. This person does not appreciate the things of God. Let me tell you a second thing about the natural man. It's right there in the text, verse 14. This person doesn't apprehend the things of God. Not only do they not appreciate the things of God, that is, they don't understand it, they also don't apprehend the things of God. Look at verse number 14 again. The Bible says, "Neither in the latter part of the verse, neither can he know them. Not only is it foolish to him, he can't even know the things of God because they're spiritually discerned, and this natural man is spiritually dead. This literally means that he's not equipped to receive the things of God. Because there is a spiritual death inside of him, his spirit needs to be reborn, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He, therefore, he cannot grasp spiritual things. A man who is physically dead cannot respond to physical stimuli. What do you mean? Well, several weeks ago, it's been a couple months ago now, my grandmother passed away. I went to her funeral, did her funeral, and uh, mourned her funeral. I mourned, uh, missing her so much. I walked up to that casket and there was my grandmother laying in that casket, and she wasn't really there. She's with Jesus. Her body's laying there in that casket. And I reached out and I grabbed her cold hand and I patted that cold hand and I rubbed that cold hand. I said, Grandmommy, I love you so much. Oh, I'm so thankful for you. I'm going to miss you. I love you. I can't wait to see you again, Grandmommy. Oh, I love you. I'd reach up there and I'd pet her hair. I'd kiss her there on the, on the forehead, tears running down my cheek. Oh, Grandmommy, I love you so very, very much. You know, that woman never even looked at me. You know why? She's dead. So she I can't believe you saying that about your grandmother. My grandmother wants me to say it. My grandmother's with Jesus, she's in heaven. She's not messed up in that old ragged body that she had anymore. She's at home with the Lord. And if she were alive today, she'd say, Tell the truth, Shane. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, she never responded to me because she was dead. And just like she was dead, a spiritually dead person will not respond to the things of the Spirit of God when God's moving in a mighty way. Lest the Holy Spirit of God intervenes inside that heart and they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're spiritually dead. Uh, we, we know this to be the trichotomy of man. Uh, that is, man is composed of a, of a body. He's composed of a soul. He's composed of a spirit. And in the Garden of Eden, that spirit died. See, your soul's going to live forever. The spirit died. And when the spirit died, in order for you to go to heaven, it's got to be reborn. Why? Because man is a trichotomy, just like God is a trichotomy. Just like the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And just like there's the trichotomy of God in regards to there is one God of three essence, or one essence, but three distinct attributes, so too you're a trichotomy. You've got a body, you've got a soul, and you've got a spirit, but you're one person. Same thing with God. He's one. But the fact of the matter is simply this. In the Garden of Eden, when the the forbidden fruit was taken of, the spirit of man died that day, and we began to die spiritually, and we needed to have be reborn. There needed to be a rebirth in order for us to have a relationship with God and get back, not to that dichotomy, but back to that trichotomy of God where we're able to hear from Him and He can speak to us through His Word. Oh, listen to me. If you're a natural man, God wants you to hear the truth today. Quit thinking with your head. Do as the Scripture says. Listen with your heart and trust Him as Lord and Savior. 1 Thessalonians 5:23 says this and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the trichotomy of man right there 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. However, the natural man only has two parts that are alive, the body and the soul. The body will die and the soul We'll live forever in hell. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. We find it with the forbidden fruit. Let me ask you a question this morning. Listen to me. Are you a natural person? So how might I know if I'm a natural person, pastor? I, I just, can you get it, give it to me any, any simpler I can? If you were to die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? If you say, I don't know, I think so, it might as well be no. Because the Bible talks about how you can know where you're going to spend an eternity. You don't have to sit here today and think that you're going to heaven. You don't have to sit here today and hope that you're going to heaven. No, you can sit here today and know that you're going to heaven. Why? Because you're what the Bible talks about, as Paul talks about next. You're the spiritual person. So what do you mean? Let's look at the text. There's a, there, here it is. Verse 15 and 16. The spiritual person. He takes it a step further. What does he say about the spiritual person? Look what he says in verse 15. But he's conjuncting there. He's adding this uh, to what he's already said. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. Now wait a minute. What in the world is he saying here in this text? He's talking about the spiritual person. And he's saying the spiritual person has a supernatural life. That supernatural life that we have is the, watch this, the deposit of, of the Holy Spirit of God when you got saved. On March 22nd, 1988, as a 14 year old boy, when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, when I confessed my sin to Him and I got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came in and dwelled inside of me, and I spiritually became alive. And through that spiritual life, I was able to discern spiritual things. Say, so what do you mean? I'm talking about what I mean is when I sinned now, I fell under such deep conviction. I could not stay as a babe in Christ, and we'll deal with that here in just a few moments. But the spiritual life deals in the area of the supernatural, and I'm talking about spiritually. You hear and you listen and you know when the Spirit of God is speaking truth into your life. I'm telling you, this is becoming more and more popular with our world today in regards to spirituality. So what do you mean? I was in the doctor's office on Monday. And as I was sitting there waiting to see the doctor, they had this television program on. And on this television, it was teaching everybody that was in the waiting room that was paying attention, it was teaching you how to tap in to your spiritual being. And, the, and, the, and the, the, little, the little segment was just simply this. It's imperative to your physical health that you spiritually meditate so that you'll be intact or be in contact with your spirit. What this world is finding out is that, that we may have this physical body, but prayer really does work. It's fascinating to me. My wife is; uh, uh, she's uh, in nursing school, and she's uh, learning all these things. And she's going through this section. She shared with me. She said, "Jane, this is absolutely amazing. They're teaching us that it's and encouraging us to pray for our patients. If the patient is spiritual, then to pray for that patient." To encourage that patient. Why? Because the spiritual part of man helps, and it's documented as being true in the health of your life. That when you, when you concentrate and you think about spiritually and see yourself as a spiritual being, that you really do sense and see some things here. But watch this. You can meditate all day long and listen to your breath, but if you don't meditate on the right thing, you'll still be lost and go to hell. So the spiritual person, watch this, has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. And they clearly understand that they've got this spiritual nature that's been resurrected through the blood of Jesus Christ. But they also have this fleshly nature inside of them. And whichever nature that they feed, that's going to be the nature that controls them. So that is to say the spiritual person is controlled by the Spirit that is, they have a daily quiet time. Uh, they're in Sunday school. They're, they have a prayer, a daily prayer time. They're, they're being ministered in the Word of God. They, they're just not coming to church thinking that they can grow spiritually just by hearing the preacher preach a 30-minute message. But they're digging deep into the Word of God, and they're getting deeper truths in God's Word so that when the pastor stands up to preach and he preaches about the trichotomy of man and the, tr- and the Trinity, then they're able to receive it and not say, I right, went over my head. The spiritual person. According to this passage of Scripture, he says the spiritual person has two things in their life that are worth noting and that are very important. Look look at what he says there in verse 15. Look at this first one. He says, when it comes to the spiritual person, they are capable of discernment. You see it in the text? Let's look at it together there. He says in verse number 15, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. That word judgeth there in the text, uh, that, that, that means to examine or to discern. The spiritual man is alive in the Spirit and he's equipped by the Spirit and is open to the truths of God. It's not foolishness to him, but it is a fountain of life. It's like food to the hungry soul. He delights in hearing the things of God. He Longs to hear the voice of God. He longs to feel a move of God He wants to hear a spiritual move inside of him that God's not done with him yet That God's still got a plan for him that God's still moving in and through his life and dear friend listen This isn't dependent upon your IQ It's dependent upon your relationship with Jesus This is the accomplishment through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. Listen to what Jesus said. He had something to say about this, this area of discernment. In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said, How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you in all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatever He shall hear, that shall He speak. And He will show you things to come. How is it that I can be standing there pumping gas at the gas station And in my spirit, know somebody's coming, and they're going to want to help me. They're going to want me to help them with their gas. How how do I know that? The spirit of God tells me. How is it that I can walk into a a restaurant and sit down, and the spirit of God burden me to such a capacity to say, "You you need to share the gospel with that person right over there"? The spirit of God tells me. And dear friend, the Spirit of God that speaks truth into the preacher's life is the same Spirit of God that spoke truth into Paul's life, and it's the same Spirit of God that speaks truth into your life. And if we'd only stop listening with our ears and start listening with our heart and live under the arena of the spiritual, we too could have that same discernment. He tells us here in the Word of God, you're capable of discernment. But watch this, he also says a second thing. He says, this person is also a cause of amazement. You're a cause of amazement. What do you mean? Look at verse 15. <laughs> Look at what he says here. He says, He's able to discern all things, yet he himself is judged by no man. That word judge there is talking about discernment again. And what he's simply saying there in the text, he says, lost man looks at you and they can't figure you out. Uh, how in the world, how in the world can you live like you're living? And be so joy filled? It baffles the mind of lost people. It bothers them. It's amazing to me that as Christians we can be in a deep place of trouble and heartache, a real serious trial, and yet have peace and joy and faith. We can stand on our convictions. We can live our life and not be obnoxious and not be overbearing about them. Just being in the Spirit, walking after the Spirit, living a Spirit-filled life, and the world scratches their head and goes, I don't understand that. I don't know. You ought to be pitching a fit about that. But the Spirit of God is moving in our lives. It causes amazement in this world. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you a spiritual person? Are you a natural person? But watch this. There's a third category that Paul puts people in. One that we don't uh, see much about, but here it is in the text. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he says here's a third category, and that third category is the carnal person. The carnal person. He talks about this third category as such of a person that lives the sensual life. Everything in his life is decided by, how, by and how it affects himself and how he feels. Now what's fascinating about this uh, carnal person is that this carnal person is saved. This carnal person is saved. What do you mean? Let's look at the text. Look at what he says here. Follow me right, right on this. He says, and I, that's Paul, I, brethren, that's the church at Corinth. Now this word brethren here that he uses here is a term of endearment. It's a speaking of truth as to what they are. They're brothers. Everybody agree that Paul's saved? If you believe Paul's saved, say amen right there. All right, Paul saved. If he's talking to his brother and sisters there at the church at Corinth, then he's speaking to saved people. Right there it is. He says, and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, could not speak unto you. Now he's getting personal. He's pointing his finger. You that are born again. You that have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. You that are spiritual. He says, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. So he says here in this text, in regards to who he's speaking with, he's speaking to believers. But watch this. He's speaking to a believer who is trusting more in the flesh than the Spirit of God. They're not having their quiet time. They're not having their prayer time. They're only coming to church on Sunday mornings, and that's hit and miss. They might be here, I don't know, one time out of a month, or maybe twice out of a month. But there's no, there's no consistency in their devotion life. There's no consistency in their prayer life. There's no consistency in their spiritual growth. They got saved, and they just, just didn't do anything. we got about 50 or 60 people like this sitting awaiting baptism. Said they got saved, said that they got born again, said they trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, and said, yes, Said I want to I be baptized, I want to be baptized, but won't. But won't. That's carnality, carnal. He tells us here that a carnal person understands that he's got two natures, a spiritual nature and a fleshly nature. But he feeds that fleshly nature to the point where you look at him and it looks like he's lost. Now here's the question. Is there anybody in the Bible that that possessed carnality to this extent? Is there anybody we can look at in the Word of God that we can see this in? There is. He's a man by the name of Lot. You remember Lot in the Old Testament? When you read Genesis chapter 13 and, verse, and chapter 19, and you see Lot, man, you look at a man and you say, man, that man's lost. Lot did not know Jesus Christ. Look at him in Sodom. He's right in the middle of that. If he truly was a born-again child of God, he'd get himself out of that with his family. You walk away from Genesis 13 and 19, and you say, Lot's a lost man. But let me show you something now. Before you judge Lot, take your Bible and uh, find 2 Peter uh, chapter number 2. 2 Peter, chapter 2. Here is a very fascinating passage of Scripture about this man named Lot. 2 Peter, chapter number 2. Look at verse number 7. 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse number 7. The Bible says here, talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's back up to verse 6 just to get context turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them uh, with with an overthrow, making them an example unto those uh, after that should live ungodly. Now watch this, verse 7. And delivered just Lot. Now he's not speaking about numerically one person Lot. Just Lot only. That's not what he's saying. That word just there in this passage of Scripture means righteous. Righteous. What he's saying there is that God delivered righteous Lot, what was Lot's problem? He was vexed with the filthy conversations of the wicked. What what does that mean? It means he was carnal. He knew God. He knew the truth of God. He loved God, but he lived in Sodom to the point where he was rather listening and feeding his fleshly nature than the nature of God. See, you can come to church, you can hear me preach, you can just say amen all you want and leave this place and live just as guilty of sin as you want to live. And and listen, the world can say, that person ain't saved. And really, the fact of the matter is, you are saved. You're just a babe in Christ, and you can't receive the deep things of God. Listen to me. Don't settle for carnality. Carnality in the life of God's children brings a lack of power in the church and to their community. Man, I thank God. Maysville Baptist Church is known for their power. Loving God, loving others, serving the world. But I'm here to tell you, we've got some carnal believers too. Say, preacher... Now you're getting personal. No, I'm just saying that's why the scripture says. No, really, in in the Bible, in the the church at Corinth, there were carnal people. This is the first century. Here we are now in the 21st century. There are carnal people in the church today too. And really, the fact of the matter is, there's some identifying marks to carnal to, to carnal people. There are, it's right there in the Bible. It tells us right here in the Word of God. The Bible tells us what are the identifying marks of a carnal person. Let me show them to you. There are three of them. Number one, the first thing is their maturity. Their maturity. Look at verse number one. The Bible says there in the text. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as to babes in Christ. He he calls them babies. You big baby. I never liked being called a baby when I was a... When I was a kid, you're a big baby. You don't be a baby. I'd call my brother baby all the time. You know, I'd kick him in the shin. He'd start crying. You baby. <laughs> Maturity. Paul says that the carnal person is a baby. Uh, he has uh, started out the right way. He's born again. He trusted Christ as Savior, but uh, he didn't progress any farther. Man, I love babies. Babies are precious. Babies are cute. But babies are designed to grow up. I look out here today and I don't see any adult sucking their thumb. Yet, (laughs) why don't we do that anymore? Well, we did that when we was a baby. We grew up. We grew out of that, and so we find here in the text he says it's it's fitting and normal to start out as, as a baby, but it's not normal to stay as a baby. A carnal believer will suffer from some form of arrested development where they are are stagnated in their growth and I'll tell you what it is they don't get in the Word of God they don't have a devotion life they don't have a prayer life they only want to be fed uh, on Sunday mornings and they won't get involved in Sunday school they won't go with the deeper things of God and they'll say it's over my head and they won't care about it but watch this Paul has already dealt with the power of the Spirit of God that can illuminate your mind and open the Word of God where you can understand Understand it. The Spirit of God has been given to us for that to help us grow up in Jesus Christ. We all are born again as babies, but I'm telling you, we have to grow up at some point in our life. Number two, their menu. Not only do you say their maturity, but you also see their menu. What do you mean? Look at verse number two. The Bible says what they eat. Paul says, I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Well, bear what? You weren't able to bear the, the meat, the, the big things of God. Neither yet are you now able to bear it. That's indicting. Can you imagine reading this letter the first time when they got it? I mean, they're reading this letter, and Paul says, I couldn't, I couldn't give you the deep things of God when I was there then, and I can't give you the deep things of God now. Why? Because there's so many schisms and splits. You guys are bickering. You're you're just backbiting one another. Uh, you're not committed to the things of God. You care more about the Lord's Supper and how much food you can eat as opposed to meeting your neighbor and seeing your neighbor and loving your neighbor and trying to get your neighbor to come to Jesus Christ. He says you're, you're, the menu that you own is absolutely ridiculous. You should not be that old and still be drinking the milk of the Word of God. You ought to be drinking the meat of the Word of God. Now, let me say this. Peter had something to say about this, as well as the writer of Hebrews. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. The Bible says when you first get saved, you want to be in the Word of God. And you get in the Word of God and you grow by the Word of God as you go deeper and deeper and deeper into the deep things of God. So he says this menu needs to change over time. You need to move off the milk and start getting onto the meat, the big, deep, uh, hard theological attributes of the Word of God, knowing about this issue of God's heart and the care that God has for the salvation of lost souls and getting into the deepest parts of, of this world and sharing the good news. I'll never forget it. In the Dominican Republic, we got out to this field, and before we got off the bus, uh, the, uh, the missionary turned and said, Is everybody right with God? Is everybody right with God? I'm gonna tell you, that's a serious question. You're out on the mission field and the missionary church says, Is everybody right with God? Don't listen, don't anybody get off the bus if you hadn't had your quiet time today and your prayer time. If you have not had it, stay on the bus. For heaven's sakes, don't get off the bus right now. There's a witch doctor right there at the entrance. He heard we were coming and he's there. I need spiritually minded people that are spiritually strong, strong to get out and let's move forward and let's win some people to Jesus Christ. Man, I was ready to go, man. I'm, I, I, let's go. I'm ready to go. Let's go. And off we go, and there's that witch doctor chanting some crazy montage as he's stirring stuff in a pot and playing with his little dolls and all this mess. And we walk out there, and the power of God fell out there in that sugarcane field. And men, women, boys, and girls stood and listened to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, hushed the mouth of that witch doctor, and hundreds of people gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Bless God, it was so powerful, he had to pack up shop, turn over his mess, and he went home. The natural man, the carnal man cannot receive the things of God. Listen to what Hebrews said. Hebrews 5.12. The Bible says, For when the, when the time that ye ought to be teachers, uh, he says, you have that you need to be taught again which to be the first priorities of the oracles of God. He said, listen, the writer of Hebrews just simply says this. He says, you ought to be well, well past this. You, you ought to be experiencing those deep things of God, those deep moves of the Spirit of God. He says, but you can't. He says, you never got out of diapers. You, you never got off the bottle. He, he, listen to what he says here. He says, and you became such as had need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses the milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. And if you're still on the milk of the word of God, he says you're unskillful when you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because you don't understand the spiritual nature of the battle that's going on, that's taking place. And he goes like he goes on here, he says this, Even those by reason of use of their own senses uh, exercise to discern both good and evil. He says you can't even discern what's good. You can't discern what's evil. There's no uh, way you can dis- discern those things. Why? Because you're carnal. You keep in your own flesh here's the fact of the matter about a carnal person the fact is just simply this they don't want to go deeper with God they want to come to church they want to put their mind in neutral they want the preacher to stand up there and tell little funny stories couple of jokes uh, uh, make us laugh a little bit scratch where we're itching just a little bit and tell the gospel and tell people we're you're okay we're okay everything's fine it's your best life now God loves you it's just wonderful hunky-dory it's all great let's go home that's what the carnal man wants. But the spiritual man desires to hear the deep things of God. Longs to hear about the triune gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the triune of God, and, and how that we are triune people, and how God has established us to preach the gospel into all the world, and how that your life is to be a witness to God and bring glory, honor, and Him to Him alone. But the carnal person has a menu of milk. The carnal person lacks maturity. But here's the last thing, and I'm done as I'm out of time. The carnal person also has their marks. There are some clearly identifying marks of a carnal person in a church. What are they? He he gives them to us here in verse 3 and 4. Here's some characteristics of a carnal believer. Number one, the first thing he says in verse number 3 is their selfishness. Look at what he says in the text. He says, For ye, or for, let's just put it up to date, you are still carnal. For whereas there is among you envying, there is number one, selfishness. He says you're selfish. Envying, that's what envying means. You're a selfish person. Babies are naturally born selfish creatures. They don't care anything about themselves. If we took a little field trip, us, and we just got in line, went over to the nursery and all. You'd see them little babies. They're so cute. They're some selfish little boogers. I mean, they are, man. Selfish. My, mine, mine, mine belongs to the church. It's mine. That's what he's saying. he said. He said, that's the mark of a, of a carnal believer. It's mine. It's my church. Now, this is God's church. L- listen to me very carefully. You understand, as pastor here, this isn't my church. This isn't the deacon's church. This is God's church. This is the bride of Christ. I'm the under-shepherd. The Bible has uh, called me to be the watcher of your souls. This church, by its own governance, has governed itself to the point where you called me to be your pastor, which means in agreement with God, I agree with God, that I'm the watcher of your soul. I watch over your soul. I care for your soul. I don't want you to be carnal. I don't want you to be natural. My desire is that we be a spiritual body, consumed with spiritual things, that there be no selfishness, that we would give the shirt off our back if need be, if someone found themselves in a need. But babies are selfish. Number two, look at here, he says a second thing. He says, not only is there selfishness among you, but there's also strife. Strife. What is strife? Strife is debate, contention. Babies want their way, and they're prepared to get their way. Look, we could take our, remember, we're on a little journey. We're in the nursery. We look in one of those windows. We see a group of little boys and girls, and they're sitting there playing with Hot Wheels. We got one little boy. He's got one Hot Wheel car. He's sitting there playing with that Hot Wheel car. Beside him is a tub. There's probably 50 Hot Wheel cars. Truth be known, there's the same Hot Wheel car three times over in that bin. Little Johnny's over there in the corner. Little Johnny looks over there and sees Jimmy playing with that car. Johnny says, I want to play with that car. Does he go over there and get in that bin and get a car just like what he has? No. What does he want? The car that he's got. So what does he do? He walks up and he says, mine. Well, That makes him upset. He said, no, that's mine. He No, it's mine. And the next thing you know, you've got two little kids and they're fighting over this car and there's three of them just exactly the same over here in this bin. And there's strife and there's contention and there's bickering and there's fighting. Oh, I wish I could tell you how many times as pastor I've sat in my office and I've had to talk reason with people that are saying the same thing and are fighting over something that's as futile, if you will, as cars in a bucket. Strife. If you find that you're always offended at somebody for what they've said or done, if you think that you're always getting the short end of the stick, If you always think that you're right and everybody else is wrong, you better mark it down. You're a carnal Christian. You need to get right with God. I just want to remind us all, or any babies that are listening, if you come to me and you tattle on somebody else, I want to know names. Why? Because I want us to grow up in Jesus. This isn't a place of hurt. There's enough churches out there that whine and complain and gossip and I think God Maysville not one of them. I think God mabel has got a testimony where their light shines out. And that light is shining further and further every day. The mark of a carnal Christian is strife. Let me give you this third one. I'm done. I'm out of time. Splits. It's right there in the text. You see what he says? He says, Where is among you there was envying, strife, and divisions? Are you not carnal and walk after men? He just simply says this. There's splits in the church. There's these divisions. Another trial of a carnal believer is that they bring division wherever they go. Wherever they touch, they bring death. As a matter of fact, mark this down. This is a great verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Listen to what this passage says. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. A carnal believer will kill a good Sunday school. A carnal believer will kill a youth ministry. A carnal believer will kill a choir. A carnal believer will kill a testimony service. Everything a carnal Christian touches dies. Don't be a carnal Christian. Can I ask you a question today? Who are you? Who are you, friend? If there are three, Paul says there's three individuals. There's the natural man, spiritual man, carnal man. Which one are you? Are you, are you the spiritual man? Are you the spiritual man? You know you've been born again, you know you've been saved, you, you have your daily devotion time. No, I'm not talking about you being perfect, that's not what he's talking about here. But you hear the things of God, you're saying, you, you understand the things of God, the Spirit of God, the move of God, you see these things, you hear the Holy Spirit talking in your life, you're a spiritual person, to God be the glory if you're that person. But maybe you're here, and maybe you're a carnal person. That is, you know you got saved. You know you trusted Christ as Savior. But listen, you don't have your daily devotion time. You are so inconsistent on that. There is no consistency in your devotional reading with God and His Word. You don't understand the deep things of God because you don't have the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit of God. Not because He doesn't reside inside of you, but because you're carnal. Or maybe you're here today and maybe you're just the natural man. The Holy Spirit of God is dealing with you because if you were to die today, you'd split hell wide open. Dear friend, you don't have to leave here today with that hanging over your head or in your heart. Today you can be saved. Today's the day of salvation. God in His great wisdom told Solomon, and Solomon wrote it down, that God in His great love has put eternity in our hearts. That is to say, when we dig down deep into the deepest recesses of our hearts, we understand and know that there's a God-shaped vacuum. And nothing can fill it Money can't feel it. Sex can't feel it. A pers- uh, being a personal person or popularity cannot feel it. Uh, religion can't feel it. The only thing that can fill that God-shaped vacuum in your heart is God. Only God. And Solomon said it's there. And when you come to the end of your life, or when you come to the end of the road, or when you come to the end of the trial, when you come to that point, maybe it's through a preacher preaching, and you're at that junction, you're at that crossroads, and the question is asked, Where are you going to spend an eternity? The Holy Spirit of God speaks truth into your life and says, you need to be saved. Dear friend, are you a natural man? Is God speaking to you the truth of God's Word today? Then why not just get rid of all the facade, trust Jesus Christ as Savior? Let's bow for prayer. If you're here today and you'd like to trust Christ as Savior, from your heart to God's heart, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do what Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says. I'm going to ask you to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Now I'm not asking you and saying that a prayer is going to save you. Listen to me very carefully, dear friend. What I'm saying is, you've got to by faith trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And the Scripture says you do that with the confession of your mouth and believing in your heart. With a heart of belief, would you say something like this to God? Would you say, Lord Jesus... I know I'm a sinner. I am a natural person. Today I want to be saved. I ask you to save my soul. Rejuvenate my spirit. Cause me to have life once again. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah. And I trust Him as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name.